Welcome to the podcast series, Redefined in Christ. Each episode explores what it means to live a life of freedom through what Christ accomplished on the cross. So let's listen in on what our host, Tim Atterbury, is teaching on today. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're talking about what is a Christian. Now the followers of Jesus were scattered. There were disciples and those who followed them. And as they began to spread, the Bible tells us they were first called Christians at Antioch. But there are more names to this group of Christ followers than you may realize. Before they were Christians at Antioch, they began to be known in other areas by the other names. Their sect was rising and it could not be managed well by the government. They themselves and others began to call them the way. Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day. It appeared to the disciples 40 days after that, explaining everything concerning the kingdom. Some like to argue that Jesus never existed. Obviously, in history, it's like that. And it's not a lot, though, because most agree that Jesus really was a man that existed in his time because of even secular the, uh, historians. One of the main reasons... There is such a rich history from the very beginning is that Jesus died on the cross and his followers continued to believe that he was the Messiah. He had said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, years later, they begin to be called the way. For many ancient characters of history, one could question their existence, but generally, it's not questioned about Jesus. We have works from thousands of years ago with with less evidence that people believe more in history. But the Bible evidence, the biblical events, have been proven over and over. Many of them have been proven true. It's just another way the devil tries to destroy the truth. We have letters from Paul many years after Jesus' death, and he mentions to his audience that some of, the pers- some of them personally knew people that were witnesses. He even knew of some that were witnesses of Jesus when he rose and, and was caught up after those 40 days. Within a hundred years, we have writings from believers with connectivity and with some, with some of them still living like John, who may have been alive while the second generation was being raised among the believers. There's a lot of continuity in these writings early on, not to mention the accurate geography and political and religious history. The Bible has made it easy for many historians to locate places and events in early history. But back to this movement This sect of believers called the way can be trusted what's said about this in history. They were called the way. And I love that name. Kind of wish it was still with us. The way makes up the first born again believers. We see the history of those who were part of the sect written in the book of Acts. Acts was the second book written by Luke, a companion of Paul during his ministry. Uh, Luke writes about the followers of Christ, referring to them all the way through to the very last portion of his book. So as far as we know, there were many believers known as the way, including Paul, who made himself known as self-claiming. He said he was part of the sect of the way. There were these, these people, these disciples and followers were all the first light of the world shining after Jesus was carried away into heaven. And so it was quite a few years later in a place called Antioch that they began to be known as Christians, literally, which means followers of the anointed one. 
Some claim that this was a negative name put on them by people around them. To be called a Christian was negative. The people who used the name were distinguished because they had left Judaism and followed a dead leader who they called the Anointed One. So this name took the place of the way. We don't have much information, but perhaps they didn't like the sound of their group name considering they were claiming to have a better way or known as one called the way, so they called them Christians. I don't know if Christians called themselves that, but it appears that that it was everybody that called them Christians is how that name started. Who knows, but whether the name was chosen by the followers or not might be in question. What we do know is that the Bible does say they were first called Christians in Antioch. This sounds like it was a name put on them there. Either way, you may want to look at it as the way or the Christians. They were the first believers, and the name Christian has kind of hung with them throughout history. And they haven't been generally been accepted by society. There was also another name given by to the followers of Jesus or one they used of themselves. In some areas, they were called the Nazarenes. So there are three names that are mentioned for the followers of Christ in the New Testament. This is how they were known early on. And the Nazarenes were even mentioned later too in, in Acts history. So it appears that some were being called Nazarenes, some called the way, but the name gathered them all together under the name Christian. These believers began to accept later and uh, be accepted later and settled into houses and had their own meeting places. You know, I was fortunate in the year 2000 to visit the church in Corinth. It's in a small building, not much exists of it now, but I believe the headstone still remains holding the arches up on either end. It was awesome to walk along the small street, seeing the Bema Street used for the Bema seat used for judgment, and walking uh, down the street uh, called I think it's called Straight, the place where Apostle Paul may have actually sold his tents, or some think it could have been Jewish prayer shawls. Who knows? But it was interesting to get that piece of history, you know, to be able to walk in those places. The place uh, that was once called Corinth still has that name today. As time progressed, though, in the Bible, the name Christian took the lead and began to be used to describe the people of God, and that has continued throughout the world. However, inside inside this Christian realm, many used names that showed up first in the New Testament. You know some of these. They've been uh, self-proclaimed as names of churches, like Christ, the Christian Church, or the Nazarenes, or the Church of God, or the Assemblies of God, or even Catholic, which translates called out, or the Ecclesia in Greek. I'm sure that other church names have been taken in one form or another from the New Testament. Just like at their time, there were Nazarenes in the way and Christians. Hmm. This is where we are today, and the name Christian is used most of all, and usually is representing our religious persuasion. The Christian name has both been admired and abused throughout history. Even today, in some places, if you're a Christian, you're highly respected. In other places, the name evokes many negative reactions, usually for one or two main reasons. Christians are considered exclusive or excessive because they only believe that Jesus, salvation comes through Jesus. Or, sometimes it's a political sway. Christianity's uh, 
have unwanted political views. It's just my observation. It seems to be a big deal these days. One of the newest names comes from the earliest explanation as to who we, the believers of Christ, really are. I believe this name is becoming more popular to steer away from a lot of the negative connotations coming on from organized religion. And that name is, are you ready? It's one I like, the born-again believer. And I have to say, I'm more apt to use that term to describe myself than I use Christian. Perhaps we were first called Christians at Antioch, but I believe we were first called born again by Jesus. I speak more about this in another podcast on being born again. Other writers referred to us as being born of the Spirit or born from above or even born of God. Always, it's about the newness of Christ in us. You know, there was a movement in the early 1800s, a revival in Kentucky called the Western Revival. It was after that when the holiness movement began, I believe, off the Presbyterian Church uh, after that revival. In a book covering that revival, the writer stated that those who had experienced an inward life change were called lights because they lit up. This was later embraced in a type of covenant where they promised when they joined to walk in the light. You know, the Church of God of Prophecy began about 100 years later, and that's where I'm a member, still uses these words as a covenant of membership. We say we will walk in the light. It was put in the agreement covenant by the church leader, the first overseer of the Church of God of Prophecy. His name was A.J. Tomlinson. From this ministry has spawned hundreds of church organizations. We'll not talk here about whether those are divisions or body parts in Christ or maybe just different names for Christian, but I suppose that's up for grabs. Since that early church, we have not only grown in the world, we have used many names to describe ourselves, but all Christians believe Jesus died and rose for the salvation of humankind. There are some who use the name Christian but do not believe Jesus is the only way to salvation. These individuals have heisted the Christian name and are not true followers of Christ, according to Jesus' own words. So, obviously, it's not all in a name. So what is a Christian? Well, a Christian, as we have looked at, began with the disciples of Christ. To see what is a Christian, we must trace the history back to those who were first born again according to how Jesus said it would happen. He told the disciples, and they understood. The books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the four Gospels because they tell us of the life of Jesus. Often they cover different aspects of his life and cover different stories of Jesus. They don't always tell us about the same events. However, all four tell us that Jesus came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Then in the book of Acts, Jesus is quoted as saying, This is what you heard from me, for John baptized in water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to say something here that some have varying opinions on. Most agree that we must be born again. I believe that is a general teaching that makes us Christians. As to how this happens, for most of us, we experience a changed heart and a new mindset. This is part of the descriptions given by Jesus. There are not many that teach that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is part of this process of being born again. I have learned that baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate event 
in the life of a Christian. And it's evidenced by speaking in tongues. But in my experience, personally, I invited Christ into my life when I was about 12 years old. It wasn't long after. You know, I was taught that sanctification was a second definite work of grace. I think this may have been left over from the Methodist movement. And when, when it became the Church of God of Prophecy, or Church of God actually took on the second definite work of grace and sanctification. And I'm a member of the Church of God of Prophecy that has taught that. Now we teach both progressive and, and um, definite work of sanctification. But either way, I was praying in an altar to be sanctified. But guess what? I began to speak in tongues. That's my testimony. I can't speak too much about the various doctrines on this process of salvation because we have these breakdowns we use and how it all happens. It seems to be unique to different individuals at times. But we agree that Christ comes into our hearts. And I believe we all agree that he does this by the work of the Holy Spirit. What I want to say is that looking at the experience of the disciples of Christ is that they were instructed to wait Jesus was about to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. When they experienced the entrance of the Holy Spirit, it was very real and very vivid. It came with speaking in other tongues. When Peter explained to the people what had taken place, he quoted Joel and ends the quote with, Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then a few verses down he says, Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. Then again, a few verses down, he gives what is necessary to have this experience. Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." Hmm. many will tell you that when you told them to be baptized, he was speaking of water. I'm not going to disagree with that, but it doesn't say that here. And we're told in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I read this, and when I step out away from all the stuff I've been told, and I just look at what it says here, it sounds like Jesus was baptizing them with the Holy Spirit, and they were calling it being saved, being born again. Now look, you may disagree, that's okay. I, I, I don't teach that as a doctrine, it's an obs observation. We see here the beginning of water baptism, because we see it followed through in the New Testament. I'm supposing that those 120 were already baptized in water, but Jesus was baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. So we see Peter instruct them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ as opposed to John's baptism, which was with water, according to the other scriptures. They were told it was for the forgiveness of their sin and they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by Peter's message. Water baptism was instituted, but Jesus was the one baptizing in the Spirit. The practice of water baptism is explained throughout the New Testament as what most consider a sacrament or a sign. It was an expected practice. We won't get into water baptism in this podcast, but I want to share that if we were practicing today what happened then, we would expect the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be associated with being born again in that experience. 
Sometimes we treat them very differently. We agree the Holy Spirit enters a person when they are born again. But people pray for a separate experience of speaking in tongues or baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't. I suggest that we consider that those that were being born again were being baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. It's at least worth the thought and possible study. I noticed that when Paul accepted Christ, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water after. When Peter preached to the Gentiles, they began to speak in tongues and they were baptized in water afterward. It seems the baptism of the Holy Spirit was highly associated with becoming a born-again believer. And I believe it could be considered, with or without tongues, it could be considered part of the process of being born again. At that moment when the Spirit comes in, he, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Why does that sound so foreign to us? It's stated that way in Acts chapter 1. Well, anyway, the Christian name has been both admired and abused throughout history. Even today in some places, if you are a Christian, you're highly respected. Like I mentioned, sometimes it's not so respected. So who are we? We're born-again believers. We're those who have allowed Christ to come in and change us from the inside out. He died for us and has risen for us. Right? He has freed us from sin and death. Christians don't die. We just sleep and wake up again in Christ. Christians are born-again believers in the work of Christ through His death and resurrection. That is what a Christian is. I'm sure you can come across many definitions, but if you have accepted Jesus, if you confess and believe with your heart, then you are saved. You fit the criteria of a Christian. Of course, most of us, other than other Christians, have certain and varying expectations, but Jesus did it all, and He only expects you to trust in Him. Let Him love through you, and let trust develop. Trust His faith. And as I always say at the end of my podcast, We'll make it this one. Faith works through love. So, and with that, I'll end the podcast. Remember, remember who you are. You are Christian. You are followers of the anointed one. You are a born again believer. I'm looking forward to sharing with you on the next, this next week. I think we'll do a recap on what it means to be redefining Christ based on all the podcasts so far because if I'm right, Oh man, up till now, I think this is the 14th podcast, so we will be doing a kind of a, a flashback, and I'll be covering the whole subject again of being redefining Christ and what it did, what Christ did on the law, what he accomplished there and the cross about completion of the law and about the old covenant uh, ending and the new covenant beginning. So anyway, check in with us in another week. Wow, it's hard to believe it'll be 15 podcasts. So remember, faith works through love. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to tell your friends that they can find it on most major distributions. Just search Tim Atterbury or the title Redefined in Christ. You can learn more about Tim, his mission work in Honduras, and transcripts of these podcasts at www.com 
timatterberry.website. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, faith works through love.